Good morning, everybody, again. It's great to be with you all, if just on a quick visit. I'm here in the UK just for 12 days. Uh, I came to study, but came here for the weekend, so it's good to see you all. And uh, yeah, our topic this morning is being afraid to hope. And linking that with, with Christmas. Now, hope, I mean, what is hope? We hope for something. We don't hope for something that we've got, right? We hope for something that we haven't got. And we have to wait. Yeah, so you hope and you wait. And so, I mean, Christmas, what is Christmas? It is the birth of a savior, right? It is Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. And uh, I want to take you into the Christmas story this morning in a different way. So I hope you'll come with me because we here in the year 2015, we look back. Yeah? We look back at the birth of Jesus. We look back at what happened. And yeah, praise God for what he did. But can you just imagine... Travel back with me in time to those who were hoping for the coming of Jesus. Of those who were hoping that God was going to send a savior. Because it's easy for us, you know, have you ever had, you know, God answer a prayer in your life? And of course, like I was, I was praying, you know, about my residence renewal, and once God does it, yeah, oh, phew. But the, the waiting, the beforehand, that's a difficult bit, isn't it? That's when we need to hope, and sometimes we're afraid to hope. Why are we afraid to hope? Maybe because we've been disappointed. Or maybe because, yeah, we think we've messed up. Or maybe because it just takes a long time. Or maybe because it just doesn't look like we expected. So come with me today and um, let's just journey and look back at some people who were, who were waiting for Christmas, who were waiting for the birth of the Savior because God keeps his promises. Even when we mess up or it takes a long time, or Satan attacks, or we're just afraid, or there's suffering, or it doesn't look like we, what we expected, but God keeps his promises. So think about this. God keeps his promises even when we fail. Come with me. Just picture in your mind. Come with me to the Garden of Eden, and there is Adam and Eve. And they have just messed up big time. I mean, none of us can really mess up as bad as they can. You might say, okay, you know, she only took a fruit and ate it. But can you imagine any messing up we do is in an already messed up world. They messed up in perfection. It's like a little black spot on a white bit of paper. You can see it. If you put a little black spot on a messy bit of paper, 
there, you don't notice it so much. So imagine, you know, God gave his promise to Adam and Eve. He said, I'll send a savior. Yes, Satan got the better of you now. But your seed, your descendants will crush your enemy. That's the promise. But do you think that they were able to receive that? They were able to understand it? Imagine yourself in that situation. You've just messed up. And here they are. And you know, in, in Genesis 3, at the end of the chapter, it says, God took them out of the Garden of Eden and he put an angel there to guard the way back. There was an angel to guard the way back. So here they are. They're afraid. They've messed up. And imagine you go to them and you say, hey, do you know, God's given you that promise of sending a savior. And you know, one day, an angel is going to come to your descendants who are shepherding sheep in, on the hills around Bethlehem. And they're, what, they're going to say, an angel. I bet he killed them, did he? And you're going to say, no, no. The angel didn't, didn't kill them. The angel said something. What do you think the angel said? And Adam will say, well, I don't know. Maybe they just wouldn't be able to imagine what the angel might say to them. And you say, you tell them, you say, the angel said, glory to God. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the next bit, they can't get their heads round. What's the angel saying? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Hard to understand for them. It's easy for us to understand. We look back. But just put yourself in Adam and Eve's situation. They've messed up. God's given them this promise. And we see now looking back that he fulfilled it. Even though they must have thought we've just messed up too much. No hope. What's going to happen? And so however much we've messed up, God says, I have a plan. And it's a plan to give hope. And we can't have messed up more than these guys. And you know, let's move a bit further forward in the story, yeah? God keeps his promises even when it takes a long, long time. And it did take a long time, didn't it? But let's think for a minute of Abraham. Imagine that you can come to Abraham and he's sitting there in his tent. And imagine you travel back in time to Abraham and you open up the book of Matthew and you start reading from the book of Matthew chapter 1. Do you know how the book of Matthew chapter 1 begins? There it's these list of names that are very hard to pronounce, you know, and uh, the genealogies. This was the father of this and the father of this. And we think, oh, boring. Imagine you could take that though to Abraham. Abraham, he would have been so excited because you just read there, it says, wow, Abraham's in there, so if he'd be excited about that for once. 
And then uh, once he's in there and he starts reading, what does it say? Abraham was the father of Isaac. Wow, wouldn't he be so excited? He'd say, wow, he's really going to do it. I know God promised me a son, but he's got a name. His name's in here. It's Isaac. And he'd be filled with hope. Because although he waited a long time, God did it. Or imagine a little further on. Uh, Abraham, he's already got his son. And God says, take Isaac. Take him and sacrifice him on the mountain. And we know from Scripture that, yeah, he, he, he somehow believed that God would give back the son. But you're taking him through this genealogy in Matthew, and he reads the next verse. And Jacob and Isaac was the father of Jacob. And he thinks, wow, I knew it. Isaac, he hasn't had a son yet. So God must be going to give him back to me. It's true. It's really true. And so you read on with Abraham. And it says, Judah was the father of Perez, uh, whose mother was Tamar. Sorry, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. And he asked, well, who's Tamar? And you have to explain about Tamar. Well, who was she? Yeah, she had to pretend to be a prostitute to get with her father-in-law so as to have a child. And Abraham's thinking, wow, wow, my descendants were like that. Why did they turn out like that? But you keep on reading. And you get down to, um, well, you get down to Rahab. And he asks, who's Rahab? And you say, well, she was a Canaanite, and she was also a prostitute. And you explain all about that. And he thinks, wow, yeah, God must really have given up on my descendants after all that mess. But you keep reading. And then you get to David. Oh, he's quite happy when you get to David. Oh, David was a good one. He was a king after God's own heart. And you explain about David. He was a good king. And in the time of David, you say to Father Abraham, the land that God promised you, your descendants, they were ruling that land. Oh, Abraham thinks, wow, yeah, God was really working in my family. That's great about David. Well, it is for a while until he reads on, you see. Because then it says, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And he says, whose mother had been Uriah's wife? What's all that about? So you have to explain that David, yeah, he was a great king. But he wasn't perfect either. He messed up too. And yeah, and it, but it still goes on. It still goes on. Because it's getting there. And so you read a little further. And you read about um, the exile to Babylon. And he says, what about that? And you explain, yeah, all your descendants, they really messed up. They started following false gods. And Abraham's, wow, that must really be the end of it now. God's really going to give up on us now. Yeah, he sent them in exile. That's the end. But then you say, Abraham, keep reading. There's more. 
And so Abraham keeps reading. After the exile to Babylon, it goes on and on about the descendants. And then it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary, who is the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And you, so you explain to Abraham, you say, yes, even though you had to wait a long time, and even though they messed up big time along the way, God, he kept his promise, and he did it. And so God keeps our promises, even if we mess up, and even if it takes a long time. And also, you know, God keeps his promises even when Satan attacks. Because God had promised way back in Genesis, I'm going to send a savior, the seed of woman. And so at any time, Satan was trying to work out, where is he going to come from? And come and destroy him. And then God gave the promise, yeah, he's going to be the son of David. So Satan if he could destroy all of David's descendants, if by fighting among themselves they'd killed each other off, or if Esther hadn't saved the Jewish people and they'd all been killed off, or if at the time of Jesus' birth he hadn't escaped to Egypt and they'd killed all the babies, including Jesus. No Jesus. No Savior. And you know, there's one incident in the Old Testament where it got very, very close because there was this uh, queen, Atalia, who was an evil queen and she decided to kill all of the descendants of David. And she nearly did. But there was one little baby that the, the priest uh, and, and, co- and co they rescued. And then little baby Josiah, they hid him till he was six years old. And then they came and they put him on the throne. But can you imagine what it would be like if, you, if, if your promise, if your hope is hanging on a thread? Imagine everybody's killed. Everything's destroyed. There's nothing left. There's no hope apart from a little baby. And here's the evil queen surging around. The baby can't do anything. That is the thread. Just hanging on a thread. It's like there's nothing. Just, just a little glimpse. But then they brought the baby out. Well, he wasn't a baby anymore. He was six. Well, six. That's really strong, isn't it? <laughs> but the line continued. Because God keeps his promises even when Satan attacks. Or, yeah, God keeps his promises even when we're afraid. We come a bit forward in time now to Mary. I don't know if you think, wow, that would be nice to be in Mary's position. Wow, it was a pretty tough position actually. It says Mary was very afraid. It says somewhere else Joseph was afraid. It says that all Jerusalem was in turmoil. Can you imagine? The angel comes to her and gives her this message. You're going to be 
a mother, and it's going to be of the Holy Spirit, and nobody's going to understand you. She was very afraid, but she said yes. She said, yeah, let it be to me according to your word. But she was terrified. And you know, the nice thing in that story is that God gave her somebody to understand her in Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth also had a special baby. God also appeared uh, to the father of, jo of John the Baptist and said, although you're old, you're going to have a child. And can you imagine, just picture yourself in the story, Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And I think that would have been somebody who would have understood. Who wouldn't say, what, an angel? You're going crazy. Because there was somebody who could understand. Or God keeps his promises even when we suffer. You know, it says in First Peter that suffering is now. What does it mean now? Now on earth, not in our future life. For a short time and with a purpose. But when we're going through some difficult situation, it never seems like a short time, does it? It seems like unending. And can you imagine uh, Mary's suffering? Can you imagine that she tries to explain to Joseph that an angel came? And I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? And he tries to... I mean, he, he tries to do the right thing. He tries to do it quietly and say, okay, we're, we won't get married. We'll have a sort of divorce quietly. But can you imagine? I mean, the angel didn't tell Mary, it's going to be all right. I'm going to send an angel to Joseph too to explain things. He didn't tell her that. He didn't tell her, it's going to be all right. You're going to, you know, have other children and it will be fine. She could have, at that time, she could have been stoned. Because for adultery, if they thought she'd committed adultery, they could have stoned her at that time. They didn't tell her that. But it was just for a short time. And God did send the angel to Joseph, to explain things. But God kept his promise. Even though there was a lot of fear and a lot of suffering and it just didn't, didn't look very good situation for them. And can you imagine also, God keeps his promises, even when it looks like God has made a mistake. Does it ever look like God's made a mistake? It does to us, because we don't understand. Um, it may look to me a bit like uh, God had made a mistake a few weeks ago, because I wanted to apply for my new residence permit at the beginning of November, so I could get it at the end of November, uh, so that I could come here and not have a problem crossing the border. But I couldn't, and it's like, God, what? there must be a mistake. I can only apply on November the 17th and then I won't have my ID card and how can I leave the country? But I applied and they said, 
oh yeah, come back in a month, you can keep the old ID card till then. And I thought, wow, no problems crossing the border. And I also thought, yeah, I'll just be back and it'll be the right time to go and get my new ID card. It's all in his hands, isn't it? But back to Joseph and Mary. And um, can you imagine this conversation that might have been between Joseph and Mary? I think, oh, Mary goes, Joseph, you know, um, doesn't it say in the prophecies that the Messiah has to be born in Bethlehem? And Joseph goes, yeah. And she goes, well, well, we live in Nazareth, so something not quite right there. Maybe, yeah, maybe God made a mistake, or maybe we should think of moving, or um, what should we do about it? And just at that, what happens? Suddenly, the Roman emperor decrees a census. So one day, Joseph comes running home and says, Mary! It's all right. God didn't make a mistake. <laughs> We're not going to have to move to Bethlehem. We're going to have to visit there. And it's just around the time you're going to have to give birth. Oh, there we go. It didn't look like it was the right plan. Or can you imagine that they get there. Okay, they're in Bethlehem. And they think, this is really interesting. And she starts feeling the labor pains. And she thinks, wow, really, I'm going to give birth here in, in, in Bethlehem. But they look around for somewhere to stay. And there's nowhere to stay. And she gives birth to the baby. And they have to put the baby in the... Oh, I forgot my pictures, haven't I? Sorry. <laughs> they have to put the baby in the in the cattle trough or the manger or whatever you call it. And again, they're thinking, this can't be right. This can't be God's, God's plan for the birth of the Savior. And then what happens? The shepherds turn up. And what do the shepherds say? They say, the angel told us, you'll find him. You'll find the Savior there, lying in a manger. And they think, wow, that wasn't a mistake either. That was part of God's plan. Because there's always a plan. So, think of it. God keeps his promises, even if we failed. And we've all failed, haven't we? We've all messed up. But we can't have messed up more than Adam and Eve. And God had a plan when they messed up. He keeps his promises even if it takes a long time. It might take a very long time. It might take longer than we would like. He's still keeping his promises. He keeps his promises even if it's attacked by Satan and Satan's trying to stop it. Even if it's just hanging on a little thread. But a little thread is big enough for God. Even if we're afraid. We're afraid of the situation. He still keeps his promises. If we suffer pain and disappointment. This isn't what I imagined. This isn't how it should be. This just doesn't look like God's plan. 
And even if it looks like he's made a mistake, because we just don't see the big picture. It doesn't look like what we expected. And you know, there's a very well-known verse in Jeremiah. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that God says that to each of us. And I don't know, maybe you have a specific promise from the Lord that you think, I was hoping for that. I was hanging on to that, but. And what's your but? Maybe it's, I messed up. Maybe it's taking a long time. Maybe it's, it just doesn't, this just doesn't look like what I expected. But, if God's given you a specific promise, he will do it. Just like he did in sending the Savior. Or maybe you don't have a specific promise, but you're thinking, what, my life looks hopeless. I don't know what the, what the future is, what the forward is. But you know, God knows the plans he has for you, and they're good, and they're to give you hope. And you know what just comes just before this verse? God's talking about the plans. He's talking to his people. But the verse before, this is what it says. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. So this promise of God, it's coming at a time when his people have, again, messed up. It comes at a time when they're going to have to go through 70 years of difficulty. But God says, I have a plan. God always has a plan. And it's a good plan. And it's a plan to give you hope and a future. And he will get us there. However much we messed up however long it takes, whether Satan attacks, whether we're afraid, whether it just doesn't look like what we expect, God will do it. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, I thank you that you are the one who has a plan a good plan for each of us, a plan to give us hope and a future. And Lord, I pray that you would renew and restore hope in hearts this morning. I pray for the ones that have lost hope in specific promises you've given them, that you would renew that hope and restore that hope. And I pray that you would show yourself as the one who always has a plan, a good plan of hope, and that you will cause that hope to rise in our hearts. However much we've messed up, however much we're afraid, however long it takes, because you are the one that did keep your promise. And when the time had fully come, you sent your son 
We praise you. Restore hope in our hearts this morning, I pray. Amen.